The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we'll talk to Dr. Ryan Hanning, a theologian here in Nashville, spreading the good news of the gospel through his daily life. God is constantly calling out to you. God is constantly revealing to you what his will is. God is constantly telling you who you are, right? You know, especially in those moments when you forget, in those moments when you sin. You know, God is telling you who you are. And, and you know, it's just a matter of learning how to listen and, and learning how to, how to respond participate with this grace next this program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and bill stayskull members of christ the king parish in nashville and by a grant from the cook foundation take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the nashville diocese to connect and find belonging like university catholic a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with jesus christ Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. Hello and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. Belonging is a place where young adults can find connection, rest, and encouragement on their journey with Jesus Christ. And each week we have different guests detailing different parts of young adult life, whether it be finances or relationships. Uh, but this week we have a very special guest, Dr. Ryan Hanning, a recent uh, mover here to Nashville, Tennessee. And we're always joined uh, every week as we are by Father Gervon, uh, the chaplain at University Catholic and a there's a lot in the diocese. So, uh, uh, Ryan, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. I was happy that Nashville was not closed when I, <laughs> when I came out here two years ago. They, somehow I snuck in. Yeah, that would have been bad timing. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know who you are. Uh, what brought you to Tennessee and where, where you're from originally? Yeah, so originally grew up in, uh, in Southern California. I always say in Northern Mexico, though, because we were pretty far south in Chula Vista uh, and all over that place. And then I lived out for 20 years in Arizona where we raised... Uh, the majority of our family were blessed with 10 children. And as I always tell people, you know, uh, father of 10, husband of one. And um, <laughs> moved out here two years ago, really just felt called by the Lord uh, to really sort of re-enter into right relationship with the land. Hmm. So we bought a little house and some acreage site unseen about 20 minutes north of Nashville. Um, we're drawn out here because we have some friends out here and uh, just really felt this was a place where we could come rediscover the joy of family life and re-enter into right relationship with the land. So... I love it. So was that a hard move? Did you essentially start over when you just moved all the way across the country? Did it feel like, or how yeah. do the kids feel? First of all, yeah, the, the kids have done really well. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Even my oldest, we moved her her senior year, if you can imagine, and she is uh, now happily at University of Mary, uh, where I've taught previously, and uh, she's doing great up there. But yeah, you know, we we literally uh, downsized, sold pretty much everything, and moved out here uh, with five of my kids in my beat up old Dodge Ram. So we've, we've done these things before where we've, we've literally just trusted the Lord and my, my wife and I both have a, a sort of a missionary spirit and just trust in the Lord's providence and uh, be bold but not reckless. And so we moved out here and it's, it's been amazing. It's really, we felt called by the Lord and responded to it. And it's been a real, um, real opportunity for us too to really reflect on the importance of place. You know, we never really felt at home. How, what do you, how so? What, what made it not feel like home? I mean, we love the church. I was I was plugged in. I worked at the Arizona State University, mm-hmm. 
but uh, but yeah, but, you know, it just never felt like where is the Lord called us to. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of my own professional background as a as a theologian as a professor you know, is talking about you know responding to God's call in our life, uh, not only the way He calls us, uh, but then how we ought to reach back, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times we don't reflect enough on that sort of fourth vocation, right? The, the vocation of place talk a lot about your know, vocation as a career in our society, like the, what you do, mm. but what you do doesn't define who you are. It's actually who you are that should inform what you do. And so for my wife and I, for you know 20 years out in Phoenix, raising the kids, we just, we just felt like that wasn't where we were called to. Could you speak more about that? What you do is different from who you are. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy because it's probably something very recent I mean, in terms of the industrial revolution and how we start to define ourselves, what we do. I, I, I was sat down on, uh, Prior to COVID, I'll travel quite a bit teaching, uh, mainly universities and, and diocese and, and um, you know, lecture and whatnot. And so, you know, every time I sat on a flight, I would always, I'd always try to get in the conversation uh, right between like the announcements, the safety announcements before everyone put their earphones on, you know? Yeah. And so I, I talk to the guy next to me and I say, tell me about yourself. And he starts to say what he does. And I say, oh, that's great. But you didn't answer the question. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> Because you're the first person that's ever made that distinction. He's all excited. <laughs> and like, you know, in, the guy sold paper, so it really wasn't that exciting, no. right? <laughs> so so the, the point is, is that, you know, very often we, we have a, we're confused today. We think that what we do defines who we are. And that puts, that puts a, a burden, mm-hmm. a really heavy burden on, especially young people that might not know what they're called to do or, mm-hmm. or might not like what they're doing. Well, that's not who you are. Who you are, you know, is how God has made you, right? So first and foremost is a beloved son and daughter of the father, but then also the unique aspects he's made in your life, both both as he's created you, your biological temperament, but also your character, your experiences, how you reach back, how you responded, all your all your wounds and all your joys, all that you know goes into who you are, and that then should inform you know what you do. And I know from you know working most universities that I think the number one challenge that a lot of my young students have is that they feel like they're disintegrated. Right, that who they are is not reflecting what they do, and they have to wear like a, a mask or, or play a role. So when I'll ask them about their life, they'll tell me about who they are in their family or who mm-hmm. they are in their relationship or who they are at work or who they are, all these sort of functions. Mm-hmm. But we're not called to be functionaries. We're called to be integrated people. And so I think, you know, for, for myself and for our children too, we just felt that where we were previously, we just weren't really um, living in accord with the nature of who we were. And my wife and I, uh, have always felt much more called an agrarian lifestyle. And, and we were raising goats in the city in Phoenix, um, you know, in a small one bedroom apartment. No, it's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so yeah, I think, I think we have to get this right. And it, it's something very recent because prior to that, you'd always define yourself who you are by, by your relationship with the Lord, by your relationship to your family, by the relationship to your place. And the number one question people used to ask would be, where are you from? Right? Or what do you grow? Or what's your family like? Or how many brothers and sisters do you have? And we still ask those questions, but they're like further down the line. We think we put way too much stock um, in what we do is defining us. And I think it's interesting this weekend we were having a Melchizedek project that is a discernment group for men, and we were talking exactly about that, that sense of who, we, who you are and not what do you do. I was, a couple of years ago, I was at Father Ryan. We had a, the lotto was like a, one billion dollars, whatever, you know. And then it was uh, during lunch, and all the teachers would say, like, well, you know, what are you going to do if you won you know, the big prize? And one was like, well, I would only send a text message to the principal and say, I'm done, you know, like each one of them. 
And then it come to me and they said, Father, what do you do? And I was like, I'll be here for the 710 Mass tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they're like, what? And I said, like, people. And I think that's the whole difference between vocation with yep. you know and vocation. If you quit because you won the lottery, that's your job. Yep. yep. You know? So it's kind of that kind of thing. It's not what do you do. And I think that's a big problem with college students today is that that's how they sell. You know, if you go to a vocation or, or, or like a, a vocational school, vocational school or, or, or even like a vocation fair, mm. you know, is they like a doctor. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you do this, you do that. But who you are is the most important question that is never explored. It's amazing, too, because if people really focus on that, it's actually easier to make, you know, judgments about your discernment. Like yeah. I remember talking to a doctor. So when I was at the university, we'd bring together around you know, 50 to 100 first-generation college students for a summer, essentially a, a week-long intensive. And we'd invite faculty from the university to give talks. And the, the person we had who represented the medical field would always talk about the characteristics of the type of person who makes a good doctor. And so like, he would give, essentially, like he would give two lectures about how to discern whether or not you're called to the medical field, not by talking at all about what you do, but by the type of person that actually takes to be a good doctor. That's a very different approach. You know, uh, Wendell Berry, um, who uh, is sort of my intellectual father, he makes this distinction, he just made father, between, you know, job and work, right? Work should flow out of who we are, right? That, that who we are comes with particular experiences, particular gifts that we can bring to others, and we're called to be a gift of self to others. And in doing that, that becomes our work, right? And some of that work is, is sort of very mundane. We have to do it for sustenance, to feed, to pay bills. Um, but that's very different from just a job that I do. Work is sort of you know who I am and how who I am flows out into you know, gosh, contributing to my own sustenance, contributing to being a gift to other people. So it's it's a very different mindset, uh, and it's one that really pays a you know re- requires a heavy burden on people who think just that way. And I think probably the default personality for most people is to think I am what I do, uh, and that's just too shallow a view. It, it should rather be you know because of who I am is what I do. And that should be the equation. And, and for young people, then if if they're discerning their degree or discerning their job, I mean, it starts there. Like, who am I? What gifts do I have? And what do I need to, to, to study or learn in order to be able to make a gift to myself? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're called. Maybe you do have a vocation to be a doctor or to be a lawyer or, you know, even even something more simple, you know, that, that's really important. God needs good engineers. God needs good craftsmen. God needs good HVAC. God needs, you know, you, you just go down the list. And, and so, you know, I think just sort of discerning that, like, Gosh, you know, your job does not define you. It's just your job is just one component. You know, um, and if you can align somehow who you are with what you do, you will be so much happier, and and, and you will show up to mass at seven ten, even if you win a billion dollars. Yeah. Did you win, by the way? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm still here. So, so no. <laughs> <laughs> how was it for you when you were my age? Was it clear um, that what, what path you wanted to take as far as pursuing your education and and seeing yourself as a theologian? Yeah, great question. Um, no, it wasn't. I mean, I think for myself growing up, so you know. Uh, large Catholic family, but I am I am an only child, and I have six brothers and sisters. And so each of my brothers and sisters were each from a different union. Hmm. So I uh, grew up in a very fractured home, and a, a very you know, sort of unique upbringing. But both my grandparents on both sides were devout Catholics. So I always knew that, like the faith is sort of what holds you together. And um, because you know they they both had lovely marriages, and and, and you know, I knew that they they prayed together and ate together right and that like sort of held them together which my parents didn't do and i kept you know seeing this and, and god bless my parents who provided a, a a wonderful life for my brothers and my sisters and i but it was you know it was it was definitely fractured so growing up i think for myself as i discerned 
very much I thought like what I need to do is, you know, sort of take these steps. Um, and it wasn't really about the discernment of my own gifts and talents. Luckily, at a certain point in, in my life, um, you know, people that I was close to started having that dialogue with me, right? Like they never asked, like, I love this question. They wouldn't say like, how are you doing? Think, think of that for a second. Yeah. Like, how are you doing? It's such an odd phrasing of a question. And we only do it in English. You know, if you study other languages, they like, that is not the translation doesn't of the make question. Sense, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's just bad English actually. Huh. But like, you know, like, how are you would be better, you know, wow. or like, you know, what do you think God is calling you to be? So I had people in my life who were asking that question. What do you think God is calling you to? Oh, you think God's calling you to that? What do you need to be doing now to prepare than to be able to say yes to that? That's a very different sort of dialogue. And so luckily, you know, as I entered into college, that was a conversation. And I knew I loved the Lord. I knew I wanted to serve him. Um, I thought that service would be through priesthood. So I had a very juvenile discernment with the Dominicans. And at a certain point, my spiritual director said, look, I don't think you're called to the priesthood. I think you're just, you're, you're just scared of marriage, which is probably true. <laughs> and, uh, and so the joke was, hey, you know, Ryan's not going to the priesthood. Pray he finds a wife and finds one quickly because he's really, you know, he's, 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 he's struggling. And, uh, and that actually, praise God, that's, that's sort of how it worked out. I ended up going on a retreat, met my wife. Two years later, we were married, and now we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, and, yeah, thank you. And, and all during that, I think it's really because it's that refocusing on, like, Lord, you know, you have created me for yourself. I, my heart is restless until it rests in you. Like, what have you made me for? And, and the great truth is that our life is about discovering the mission God has created for us. And he doesn't just throw that on us. He wants us to participate in it. And I think that's what is important for us to, like, have a prayer life. And it's important for us to, you know, listen to the Lord. Because you can't, it's not that, you know, like, oh, here it is. God sent me an email and here's the, here's the procedure. So this is what I'm going to do. And I think as you were saying, it's like, yeah, we need to encounter Jesus. You know, something that Pope Francis said so many times, you have to encounter the Lord. And how you do this in prayer. You know, and, and it's funny, I was I was talking to a girl a couple of days ago last week, and she was like, but how do I pray? You know, and then because we are in our society in a way that we want to do stuff, mm -hmm. so we almost have like a to-do list. I pray for this person, I do this prayer, I say this, Hail Mary, I say this, Novena, whatever. I said, no, just go there and listen. How do I do this? You know, like <laughs> we, we don't know, we don't know how to listen. What do I do? I said, you don't do anything. You just stay there, go to adoration, and let the Lord talk to you. That was my favorite story from St. Teresa of Calcutta, all the press interviewed her when they saw her praying all the time. said, what do you say to him when you're sitting there praying forever? Nothing. <laughs> what does he say to you? Nothing. So that's the, that's the bottom line of it, is how yeah. to pray. Yeah. It's because we are in a in a place that we want instant gratification. Yeah. You know, like, okay, God, I have this test today. I'm not going to study. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to pray about it. And then you have to help me. You know, I remember when I was at Father Ryan, I said, Father, can you pray for me? I have this task. And I said, absolutely. You want to pray now? I said, yeah. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, that this son of daughter or daughter of yours remember everything that he or she <laughs> studied. And, and it's like, Father, it's like, that's it. You know, grace operate in nature. You cannot ex don't study. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. It's like, yes, probably you are. Miracles happen. But, you know, it help, helps if you help yep. yourself. Well, this is the truth. God God wants to work through us. Like, not, you know, my prayer is constantly, God, work through me more than you have to work in spite of me, right? So, like, the truth is, is God is reaching out, calling us to reach back. And the entire, like, dynamic of the Christian life happens right there. And that space between him reaching out and you reaching back. 
And, you know, as father said, grace builds off nature. And we have to understand that like we're called to participate in, you know, in, in the discovery of our mission that we're called to. This is like the greatest joy uh, in our life is to become the, the man and woman God has called us to be. And it takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. And I would say, don't put like a, you know, an artificial timeline on it. It's not like you just become 25 and you still have it all figured out. It, it really truthfully is, is sort of, you know, in the Lord's time and just walk with him and, and stay close to him, but participate. And you know, I, I, you know, I think for myself too, this is what I want my children to learn more than anything else. Um, when they forget who they are is when they start falling into sin. When they forget who they are is when they start doing those things that don't actually contribute towards their becoming the man and woman God wants them to be. And so I think, you know, so much of our vocation then is tied into how we participate in becoming who we are. And it's cool because God allows us to operate with his grace to discover that. Um, and, and that's that's a very different sort of premise than just trying to figure it all out. I mean, isn't this the basic of like the Christian life? You know, mm-hmm. It's not like we, we have a to-do list, we figure it all out, and then we come to God, we're like, hey, God, we're ready. Like, you know, yeah. you come to God, like, without your list, just sort of broken and, like, fumbling a little bit, saying, hey, Lord, you just just put me back together, and the Lord says, I will, but I'm going to do it with you. I, I remember talking about that. I was in a, in a religious community for a little bit, and, you know, praying to send my letter to enter the community, you know, I and I... I wrote the whole letter and said, I'm just going to do this retreat. And then I could right away, God's like, no, 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 no. This is how you do. This is a piece, blank piece of paper. You sign up and then you let me tell you what you write. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But that's the thing. Yeah, we want to, and I think that's one of the problems with religion today because people want to have a religion or a God that is going to be who I want the, yep. him to be. And then it's like, no, that's not how it is. That's not how this works. Isn't it amazing? Like, I think part of it, and we've talked a little bit about it, is that you know, we're so focused on doing and we're so focused on technique. We think if we just figure out the right like combination, we can like force God to do what we want. So this, this last two years has been a real interesting journey for me. So I have a new book coming out with the, on Ignatius Press, actually this month, which I'm really excited for, called The Willpower Advantage. And we actually dive into some of this stuff. And I wrote it with a friend of mine. Uh, Tom Peterson, who left the confession one day, and you know, we heard those beautiful words that we all love to hear, you know, but challenging words, go sin no more. And he turned around to the priest, he's like, how am I going to do that? Right? Like, you know, I want to do it. I believe I can do it. But like, how? And, and, and for, for really, so for over a year and a half, we wrote this book together, just sort of walking through. And what we really found in the, like the wisdom of the church, and, and we're not, you know, like we didn't discover anything new. This has always been the perennial wisdom of the church is that God is reaching out and we have to reach back. And, mm. and learning how to reach back well and learning how to depend on him is so, is so key to that. And I, this is something I've discovered as a parent. Like when my children fail and sin, you know, I'm not angry that they sinned. I'm sad that they lived in a way that's not in accord with who they are, mm. right? They lived in a way that's not going to bring them happiness. They lived in a way that's not you know, dignified for being my son or daughter. And if, if I, imperfect father though I am, right, I, you know, I yell at my cows and I kick goats occasionally, right? Like imperfect father though I am, want that for my children. How much more does God want that for us, right? And it's not like this, it's not this burden. It's not this pressure. God will give you time to discover and figure out like what he's called you to. God just wants you to be constantly reaching back so that he can reveal and move your heart. You know, um, I remember having a conversation with a young student who said, I, I really can't figure out like you know, what I'm called to do in life. I said, well, good, because that's not the question. The question is to figure out who you are in life. That's the question. Mm. Every question of the human heart of like, why am I here? Where am I going? You know, those are all questions about identity and your mission flows from your identity. So, you know, I, I think a lot of times you just have to take that, that moment and say, who am I? Who am I called to be? And what's the, what's the kind of person I want to be? Mm. 
And maybe it's, I want to be a really good husband or a really good father or a really good mom or a really good wife or a really good religious sister or a really good priest or just a really good, you know, dignified tradesman, whatever the case might be. Like, okay, that's, that's who you're called to. Then what are the steps you need to do to, to start living that way? Um, and that's, that's just a very different question. And it still takes a ton of hard work. It's not passive at all. It's actually much more active. And it's not easy to discover who you are. It's not easy to discover God's will. It's not easy to, to find that quiet place to really hear and respond to his voice. But keep doing it. Keep entering in. Keep entering in. And, uh, and I think you know, very often you know, uh, at, the, at the end of, of one's journey, at the very best, what they can say about their life is that, oh, now I can see where God was. Mm. Right? Like now in hindsight, I can start to understand how through those experiences, how even in the pain, right, which God doesn't necessarily will for us, but he allows to happen for our good. Even in those moments, we can start to say, wow, this is, this is what he's doing. I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. I remember uh, my son, Jacob, he's a great little boy, and he, he's like a sponge of facts. Now, he's a unique type of sponge because he doesn't want to just hold on to him. He wants to give him away. So like anything he learns, he is telling you. Right. So you know, he, he gives you so many facts, it's a little bit overload. A lot of times, like, hey, son, that's really interesting, but I got to go do something. Well, I'm leaving uh, on a trip, and he tells me this, like, I don't even remember what the fact was. It's this random fact about how cells perform in the body. And he just doesn't even really know what he's saying. He's seven years old. He, just, he learned he thought it was really cool. He's telling me. And I'm like, all right, thanks, Jacob. I got to run. And I end up encountering a person who is really down and out and uh, was describing to me her stress and her challenges. And again, this is you know, in, in, uh, in essentially in line to get on the plane that we end up sitting together. And it ended up that that little fact Jacob told me ended up like into our conversation. Like, like, like what are the chances? Like you no. just sort of know like, okay, God, well played, right? You'd sit back and <laughs> like, Lord, well done. Okay, applause, right? But there's a thousand of those instances pretty much every day if we just like learn to recognize them. So a good friend of mine, Father Francis Martin, God rest his soul, before he passed away, he would say he loved, he was from Chicago, loved the Cubs. In fact, when he died is when the Cubs won the pennant. And everyone joked that was his first miracle. And, uh, <laughs> and so he, he used to say that God hits you, you know, 3,000 3, easy grounders a day. And you're lucky if you see 30 and you're even more lucky if you feel three. Wow. Meaning that God is constantly calling out to you. God is constantly revealing to you what his will is. God is constantly telling you who you are, right? You know, especially in those moments when you forget, in those moments when you sin, you know, that God is telling you who you are. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of learning how to listen and, and learning how to, how to respond um, and participate with this grace. And that, that's something you don't learn overnight. That's, that's like the whole of life is like coming to that place where, you know, 51% of the time <laughs> you're, able, mm. you're able to field the ball that God has hidden you, an easy grounder. Mm. What are some practical ways that you've found in your life to find that? Uh, we talk about vocation a lot to, to, the, to be a good husband, be a good wife. Uh, if you're called to be a sister or a priest, what are some practical ways that you found as far as finding guidance from older people? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, great question. I think mentorship is really key. And I think being around the type of people um, who, who do those things so that you can really start to discern. Like, you know, So God places on our hearts, just even biologically, we have a natural temperament, right? We have our experiences. So if you think of a, per, a person's personality as their temperament, their, their natural inborn biology, and their experiences and character. So for the ancient Greeks, you know, a person was always a combination of their temperament and their character. And so you're, who you are is a lot to do with what will actually fulfill you and what you're actually being called to. So I think to learn that, you have to be around the people who are, who are living that life. And so if you're called to marriage, uh, find you know, amazing holy couples to, to, to be around. You know, my wife and I, so I'm, you know, my background, lovely grandparents. My, my, you know, my parents were, 
were were great and they tried to provide for us, but they're much better grandparents than they were parents. They were struggling with their own issues, you know, which is why we were eight different homes by the time I was 10. I mean, it was just, you know, very difficult growing up as it is for like many children um, in a similar situation. But I learned what it meant to be a good holy you know, parent by like hanging out with like other married couples. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those couples just celebrated their 50th anniversary, the Van Brunts, and I was, uh, I was sharing with them, you know, about the Bible studies on Tuesday night at his house is where I learned what it meant to be a dad. Not because my dad was was so bad. He, my dad was a great dad, but you know, just to be around other people that could enforce those things, right? And so I think if you want to learn, so even in your in your if you're in college and you're in a particular field, place yourself around those people who are doing those things, like you know, and, and start to really prayerfully discern: is this is this what I'm called to? Is this the type of person I'm called to be? So we're all called to holiness. That's a universal you know, vocation. Um, so we we can't. That's not an option. Mm-hmm. But the particular mission we're given in life is one that we have to discover on our own. And the only way we can discover how to learn to do it is actually by being in relationship with others who can reveal to us who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so prayer, mentorship, and, and just you know, asking lots and lots of questions of the type of people, not what they do. You know, I mean, imagine for a moment, if, if you were to walk in and you wanted to understand what nursing was, you know, it wouldn't just be the sum total of what a nurse, what a nurse does and the execution. All that stuff's important. Would actually be about like what the purpose of a nurse is, right? Mm. And, and so even if you're like excellent at all those techniques, but you're really lousy at loving people, you're probably not going to be a good nurse, right? Like just think about it for a moment. So I think if you want to learn, you know, what God's calling you to, prayer, and just have the long view, but place yourself in the proximity of people who are who are living that life, so you can start to discern what it takes to actually do those things. Father, what are your final thoughts on becoming who you are as we close off here? If, uh, yeah, I think it's it's all about acknowledge and recognize where you are mm. right now and then going where you want to be mm. and then how you're going to get there mm. and even if you can't get there all the way how can i get closer to that we all call to be saints uh, maybe you look at your life today is like mm, not really saint right now how can i what what things that i can change in my life today that probably is not going to be putting me all the way there mm. but putting me close to there and then be courageous, mm-hmm. be strong, and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, nobody can do it for you. I think one of the biggest frustration when we do spiritual direction with people is like, I wish I can do it for you, but I can't. Mm-hmm. You have the one. You have to be the one who actually wants to do, it. and it's up to you to do or not. Yeah, I would just add to you. I think you said it, Father, that having an adequate vision of what you're called to. Right, God is destined you to be, become a saint. God created you as his beloved son or daughter, and he wants nothing less for you than that. He desires that. Yeah, and so the great joy in life is discovering that. And so, But it takes time, it takes work, it takes effort. And yeah, it takes being around people who have walked before you in this journey. That's why we have the saints as these yeah. models of what it means to mm. you know, actually achieve. And think of it, the saints too, they didn't become saints in spite of their life. They became saints because of, of their life. It was in the ordinary things. Even Teresa of Calcutta, you know, she didn't feel anything for like 20 mm-hmm. something years. And then, you know, when the reporters will go to her and say, we want to know how you do this. And she said, okay. At three in the morning, they, you know, she would block the door. What? They're like, wake up. That's how my day started. Let's go to the chapel. And we spent two hours in the chapel praying. And then we're going to do all the other stuff. But, you know, it's who she is praying, doing all that stuff. And then because that's who she is, then she can do stuff. Yep. Dr. Hanning, thank you for being here today. Um, where, where can people more find more about you and your book coming this 
it's October as well. Yeah, so uh, RyanHanning.com. Go check out uh, the website. Look at the family blog. See some of the adventures of, uh, of all the kids, of all 10 kids, and, and all the craziness at our home as we rediscover the joy of family life and entering into right relationship with the land. And Willpower Advantage will be out um, uh, this month, like any time, by Ignatius Press. So you can find it online as well. well. Special thank you to our guest, Dr. Ryan Hanning. Uh, Father Javon as well. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. Remember, you can always tune in at 100.5 FM online at WBOU.org or with your smart speaker by saying play Nashville Catholic Radio. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. On the next episode of Belonging, we'll talk to Mrs. Alice Bolster, the mother of a priest here in Nashville and a great evangelist spreading the gospel every day through her daily life. I just really love being Catholic, and I am happy to, to drop that into the conversation with just All about anybody. <laughs> he can attest to it. Yeah, if, if I'm, well, I mean, we are called to do this. We are called to bring people to Christ. I mean, that's where they're going to be the happiest, and that's what I want for folks. Thursday at 11 a.m. on WBOU, Nashville Catholic Radio.